Welcome to Austin Climate Coalition's One World, Our Coalition podcast, dedicated to climate crisis and reform. In these podcasts, we interview guests and discuss their stories with their own climate advocacy and other topics revolving around climate change. Thank you so much for joining us as we dive into this week's first episode with our hosts, Matthew Kim and Isla Ferguson, with special guest Larry Lynchman. Hey everyone, thanks for joining the first ACO interview. We're having Larry Lynchman from the Hill Country Institute. Um, so just a little about Larry, Hill Country Institute. He's been talking about climate change, about environmental policies with other conservative Republicans. And he's actually made a big effort to try and you know convert some of these conservatives to believing in climate change. So I guess, Larry, um, could you describe your journey, you know, as a climate change denier, to, you know, a climate change advocate? And how do you what do you think was the catalyst, you know, for that change? That's a that's really a good question, because my, my experience is probably not atypical of someone who comes from that background. But before I, I get into that, I just want to mention that I have a radio program called Hill Country Institute Live. And Matthew's been a guest on our, on our program. And uh, it was a lot of fun because it's, it's good for people of, of all age groups and different backgrounds to reflect on their own experience in dealing with what, what a, a Christian would call Christian, uh, environmental stewardship or creation care. And so we look at climate change as, as a part of that. And we, we can talk more as we go along. But in response, I, I would say that three and a half to four years ago, I was probably an agnostic would be the best term. I didn't fully think that um, climate change was real, but I, but I was very much subject to the a political uh, understanding, which, which I would describe as saying that uh, things are exaggerated by the left so that the uh, impact is, is more than what it's said to be. And so we need to do something at a, at a, level of an intense government approach. And that means somebody takes over my thermostat. Uh, that means spending goes a different direction. So there's, there's a, there are elements of uh, politics, elements of fear. Uh, and when that's fed by a kind of a, a feedback loop on the right, then it, it's not always easy to just sit back and say, you know, what does the science say? And so, so for me, as, as a Christian, I think I, I, would, I would start any, any discussion with uh, what the Bible has to say or what theology has to say, because that's, that's kind of the, the beginning point. And we, we feel like, as Christians, that our Christian views touch every aspect of life. We, we want to think Christianly about how we do business and the arts and science, and taking care of the environment is, is just another aspect of that. So uh, I think the, the you know, just, just to, to look at the Bible, in Genesis 1, it said, then God made man. Uh, he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. And so this term dominion is a, is a really good term. It, it means that we take care of things uh, in a very special way. And so we look at the creation, we look at the trees, we look at the way the earth interacts and works together as the beauty of God's creation. And so it's our responsibility to take care of that. Uh, and, he, and he goes on to say, uh, 
dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So when we're thinking about the, the topic of climate change or environmental stewardship generally, we want to think of a holistic approach. We, the, the fish, if we overfish, we're going to damage that environment. If the ocean is too warm or too acidic, the creatures of the sea will not thrive. And then we won't be able to thrive in, in concert with them. So about that, four years ago, give or take, uh, I began to wonder because you know, I, live in, I live in Austin, Texas, and just about every, represent, uh, every view possible is represented if you live in Austin. So I thought, well, I, I really need to just do my homework. And so I began to, to read and, and look, and uh, there's a conservative writer named Jonathan Adler, and, uh, and he said that you can only look at so many charts and graphs before you're convinced that, that global warming is real. And, and I think that's it. You know, if you, if you just let the, so theologically starting there, we're to look to how we care for the earth. Faith and science are not in conflict. Faith and science really work well together. And then when you look at the science, uh, it, it's overwhelming. Uh, it's not, this isn't something that just popped up in the, in the 1970s or 80s when, when the concerns were, were really being expressed about the future of global warming. The understanding that greenhouse gases uh, contribute to, to global warming, and at a certain level, in a, in a very good way. We, we'd have a very cold, icy planet without greenhouse gases. But the understanding goes back to at least the mid-19th century, and it's been built on since then. There was a, a very important paper written in 1896 uh, by, by a Swedish chemist named uh, Savant Arrhenius, and I'm probably mispronouncing his name. I'm from East Texas, and almost everything comes out wrong. But uh, that particular paper uh, really very, was very prescient in, in, in seeing what would come. And so it, this isn't new science. It's just that the accumulation of the greenhouse gases uh, have, have become so much that it's changing our environment in many ways. And so I, uh, I went to a, a conference uh, with a group called American Scientific Affiliation, which is a group of Christians who are scientists, philosophers, theologians, people who are interested in, in some aspect of science. And we had our conference at the Colorado School of Mines, which is one of the leading uh, institutions in, in regards to uh, engineering, mining, a lot of, uh, a lot of different uh, important topics. And in the area, we went around to see uh, the National Renewable Energy Lab and, and a whole lot of different places that just happened to be in the Denver area. And so, uh, through the presentations, the topic of the conference was about creation care. And so I saw many accomplished scientists who are also Christians discussing their faith and how their faith leads them in light of uh, the science. Uh, one of the key people there was Catherine Hayhoe. Uh, you may be familiar with her name. She, uh, she teaches at Texas Tech. She's internationally recognized as a, as a, a leading scientist on this issue. She was an advisor to, to presidents. To, she's spoken to Congress. She's, uh, she's been all over the world. And she always introduces herself as an evangelical Christian. And uh, her uh, work is available online. Hey Ho is H-A-Y-H-O-E. And her, um, her talks are, are about global weirding. And, and I think that's a, really a good term because things have changed so much. Uh, another... Uh, Christian, who's a, who's a weatherman and, and co-author of a book about caring for creation, says it's not your grandfather's weather anymore. And so, it, you know, a lot of 
people whose grandfathers they said, you know, we're not having those cold winters we used to have, or we're getting more rain, or whatever it is. And so I think I think global weirding is really a good way of looking at what global warming is causing. So you know, again, my personal experience, I, I started to go through things, and it it and once you just let the science speak for itself, uh, I, I think it, it there's no real positive way, no fair way to deny the basics of what's going on. There are other factors, certainly. There always are, there always will be. Uh, the Earth system is very complicated. But the irradiance of the sun, the tilt of the Earth, long-term cycles, uh, the, these things aren't adequate to, to explain the trajectory that we're on. So, so that convinced me and, it, and you know, it's a little awkward at times because I have a lot of uh, conservative friends and they, they think I've kind of, let's see, what, what are some terms? I've, uh, uh, I've, I've gotten off the reservation. That's a good one. So, <laughs> you know, you can look at these things a lot of different ways, uh, but that's, uh, that's just, that's the price. And I'm, and I'm very hopeful, of course, that things will, will move and, and I have a lot of, a lot of good things to say about what Christians are doing and the, and the momentum that I see building. Yeah. I'd also like to touch on the Catherine Hayhoe. I guess if anyone watching, you should definitely look up her global weirding. I think she explains a lot of, I guess, phenomenon very well. And, you know, also as someone who has like a Christian identity, I think seeing her work and knowing that she is very strong, even going to Christian and also her husband actually has a radio um, radio show and that actually my family actually listens to. Um, so that's, that's interesting part. And I think, yeah, you know, Larry, you know, I guess Catherine Hayhoe, they're both like living examples of how, you know, religion and, you know, climate science can really like work and thrive together. Yeah. And, uh, Catherine's uh, husband is actually a pastor and they've written a book together uh, called, I believe, uh, A Time for Change. And so that's, a, that's, a, that's one resource. There are, a lot, there are a lot of Christian resources on this topic. So, Mr. Lindenschmidt, you touched on this um, you touched on this earlier when you were talking about it, um, but often people think that science and religion can't go hand in hand, that they're um, naturally contradicting. And obviously I believe, and I think you believe that that isn't true. They can be complementary. So how do you use um, both religion and science to sort of make a point about climate change? Yeah, that's, that's good. And you can call me Larry. Oh, okay. When you Thank say you, Mister, Larry. I look for my father. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, no, the the uh, so-called war between faith and science has has been a distortion, I think, from the beginning. Uh, in in the in Western civilization, Christians believed that science made sense because of an orderly creation from an orderly God. So we we started with that premise. So. Uh, when you when you look back at, at many scientists, you know you'll see these these footnotes and whatever with Francis Bacon and others, uh, and we, and and actually the, the Hill Country Institute has done a lot of faith and science work, and I would invite anyone to visit our website hillcountryinstitute.org, and look at our faith and science interaction. Uh, we we had a uh, we we continue to work on faith and science under the name the vibrant dance of faith and science because we believe they they are they are complementary not at war, not in conflict. Uh, the, the, the Bible is God's revelation, but so is nature. And, and uh, so the, the two books 
the books of Revelation from God would be the Bible. And of course, Jesus, you know, as Christians, we believe he was God incarnate. So that's a, that's a revelation. But then when you, when you look at God's handiwork, Psalm 19 says the heavens are telling the glory of God. And, and I think that that's the way it is. You know, you think, well, he, he's got us here on this earth, but he's also got all these, this just beautiful mass of the universe out there. And then inside us, we've got these little intricate things going on down at the cellular level. Well, I think God built the universe to be able to grow uh, in his way. Uh, you know, he's, 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 I would say giving guidance he's involved, but we can see uh, the beauty of what he's done. I mean, I, I, I just, look at myself in the, uh, the the picture I have is the Oregon coast. And, uh, you know, I just, I just love to be at the coast and in the mountains and to see that, that kind of creation. And I'm also a, 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 a birder. So, you know, you get to see these beautiful colors and, and the way the, the migration patterns are so intricate. The, the birds have learned to be here at the right time so that the insects are, thriving, and then they can get those insects and feed their babies. Now, science, okay? Science says climate change is happening, and the seasons are changing a little bit. Well, that's putting a lot of pressure on some of those birds, because they've been getting here at a certain time for, you know, who knows how long. And now they get here, and the hatch is probably passed a little bit. So they have to, you know, scramble a little bit harder to get the insects to feed their nest. So the, the interconnectedness of all things and our responsibility as Christians to have dominion. And, and I'm, I'm used, sometimes dominion gets misused. That's, that's a word I, I might address for just a second because dominion sometimes is interpreted to mean that we just take what we need and that's it. And whatever man needs, you just take it and no respect for anything else. But I think God gave us dominion to be caring, to be in charge in a way that Let's the, the, the fish thrive and let's the birds do well and, and all, all, of cre all of creation together. And, and pragmatically, if we don't take good care of creation, then the earth won't be there to provide for us in the way that we're used to. I've, I've been amazed at how such small amounts of increase in temperature make such a dramatic difference in the earth's systems. Uh, you know, since, since the 1970s, a lot of things have happened. Uh, it's a good place to kind of go back and start, 70s and 80s. Texas is two and a half degrees warmer than it was back then. Uh, the glaciers are over 30% smaller. So, you know, those, those are indicative of, of a lot of things going on. The, the glacier loss uh, has, a, has a further impact because when you – when you have a glacier in that ice, the, the reflection keeps some of the heat from coming in either to the water or the soil that the glacier covers. And when that's gone, then more heat is absorbed. And as that heat's absorbed, then that increases the temperature. So it's, it's, it becomes a, a secondary feedback or secondary loop. And those loops are now having a real impact. Permafrost melt is another. As the permafrost melts, then we have uh, increases of CO2 and increases of methane. And methane doesn't last as long, but it's a stronger uh, gas, gas as far as uh, warming goes. So one thing we do, you know, we re release more uh, greenhouse gas into the air. Well, it causes other things to happen. And so 
to have dominion means we need to think about all these things in concert and how do we manage them? How do we meet people's needs and yet take care of, you know, I think of the fish a lot because the, the ocean is just such a, a important part of the food system for so many people. So many people get their protein from it. And, and we're, we have problems with heat, uh, you know, the cod fishing season in Alaska had to close early this year. The fish are moving north on the East Coast, and so there's, you know, a 20 to 40% decrease in, in, in employment in the fishing industry in New England. There, there are things like that that are climate change uh, related. So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm probably getting a little bit off your question, but, but it all does tie together because theologically we need to think about it, scientifically we need to think about it, uh, and it and it ties to other other environmental issues too. You know, I'm very concerned about plastic pollution. There's a big old mass of plastic floating out in the Pacific that's larger than the state of Texas. And if you've ever driven across Texas, you know that's a pretty big place. So, uh, <laughs> where anyway, the and the microplastics are in the in the Great Lakes. They're in the, the Monterey Bay. They're in us. So, you know, we we really need to be thinking broadly and, and uh, with uh, a lot of vigor about how we can, can work on these issues. Yeah, you know, you've said a lot about how you be, we, there's obvious examples. As you said, you know, plastic in the ocean, right? We can see that it's there, you know, we have evidence of it. And also like employment in the East Coast with the, and also fisheries. And so, you know, I'm curious, like, what do you think is like the, I guess the factor that makes as some of the conservatives like not believe in climate change is, you know, is it a political stance, you know, or is it like a religious stance? And I'm from what you're saying, I feel like it would be more political because religious, I don't think like what you're pointing out, there shouldn't be any conflict with religion. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, could you elaborate on that? Oh, I, I, I agree. There should not be any conflict. And I, and I agree that the, that the political side is, is quite strong. Uh, the, the Christian world is not monolithic, okay? I mean, not only do you have Orthodox and Catholic and Protestant Christians and Coptic Christians in Egypt, so there, so there are variations in belief there, but you, you've got variations in, in politics as well. And Christians who are left of center in their politics tend to accept the science more easily than Christians who are to the right. So my, my particular work, uh, I can... I can uh, relate to people who are left or right or center. I'm, uh, the, the Hill Country Institute, we've always worked to bring people together. Uh, Andy Crouch, uh, it's probably hard to see on this, but I, I'm holding my arms in a circle. And Andy Crouch, when he was here to speak at one of our conferences, he said, your job is to create a safe place for people to dialogue. And, and we need that today, not just for Christians, but, but our, our whole society, uh, sadly, is, is just divided on, on every issue. And uh, it makes it so hard to work together. So, uh, Matthew, I, th I, th I think politics really take precedence here, because I think I think that, uh, and, I, and I've and I've literally had friends tell me, uh, "Well, I can't I can't come to that event, or I disagree with you because of politics." And and we didn't we didn't even get to science. So my 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 descending order personally, I would start with theology or, or the Bible, I'd, I'd then go to science. And, and I'm not really weighing one over the other. It's just for me, it's always, it's always, you know, what does the Bible say I should do? And the Bible really gives us uh, direction and leeway to, to make good decisions and to study. Uh, 
take every thought captive uh, is, is, is a biblical idea. So we should be engaging with the best science. Uh, C.S. Lewis said we need good philosophy just to, to counter bad philosophy. And, uh, and I think it's true with science, you know, with, with every topic. So the, the, the question is, on the, on the right, uh, why, why is politics put in such a, a strong uh, place over uh, science and, and over biblical faith? And uh, so, but back to my four, I would say the Bible, science, and then policy, and then politics. But politics is more how you enact the, the, the policy. And so I think the policy needs to flow out of the first two. Uh, and so I, I just think that there, the, the idea that the, the, the science was so strongly identified with, with people who were left of center in the 1980s. And uh, it, I think it got attached there. There were some things that non-scientists were projecting that were, that were just way out of line, uh, like all of the ice in Greenland would be melted by 2018. Well, you know, a lot of ice is melted. And it's, and it's actually, a, uh, you know, when you're looking at climate change, it's, it's a very compelling aspect of the argument. Uh, Glacier National Park had well over 100 glaciers when it was formed in the early 20th century. Uh, now it's got 26. Uh, so, you know, there, there are concrete things like that, but some, some people had said we would be at zero glaciers in 2020. So that's all you hear from people on the right. Oh, they didn't, they didn't meet the projection. Well, you know, 75% of the glaciers are gone. Uh, that's a pretty serious indictment. That's a pretty serious issue. So I, I think that, that that's one thing, that, that non-scientists made projections that weren't uh, accurate. They were, they were exaggerated. Uh, if you look at the science projections, they're pretty darn accurate. You know, they did a good job. You, you can, you know, you can, I've, I've got data looking back at the 1980s projections and they're, they're pretty accurate. None of them are spot on perfect, but they're generally within the error bars of what they expected. And, uh, and I think that's very important because, uh, you know, you've got, you've got all these complexities going on. And today, I think the hard thing is, what are clouds going to do with, with what we have coming? And that's one of those ifs out there. What, what's it going to be like? But a lot of the other things, you know, are, are, are well in line. And the, and the overall idea that we're steadily seeing an increase in temperature, uh, that's, that's well played out. So uh, I'm afraid politics are, are there. Uh, one one uh, idea I saw was that possibly uh, when the Cold War ended, uh, the people on the right needed a new enemy, and that enemy became climate change and, and its proponents. Uh, some of my f conservative friends who I've told that to said, well, that's insulting. So I don't mean it to be insulting. It's just that there was a gap, and that does seem to have been filled in. The uh, talk show hosts on the right tend to draw on uh, climate skeptics and not have a balanced approach. And, uh, and, I, and I think that the, the science, well, the science is just so compelling now. And, you know, you don't have to look at projections. Just look at what's happening. Stronger hurricanes. Uh, hurricane Harvey went from a very small storm to, you know, a major hurricane that, that set rainfall records in about two days. Hurricane Michael that came up the coast of Florida and did, uh, you know, four or six billion or so dollars worth of damage to Tyndall Air Force Base as well as the uh, 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 area around it. Uh, that, that thing, you didn't get much warning because it came together so fast. 
the heat in the Gulf of Mexico. It's not a very deep sea. Uh, so you, you know, you're seeing that heat build up. So you're seeing the, the, the reality. You don't actually need projections. Uh, in Bangladesh, I think they believe in, in, in climate change because they're losing villages, they're losing land. If you live in Alaska and you're having to move your village because permafrost is melting, uh, that's reality. That's, that's, no, that's no projection. That's just what's happening. The, the two and a half degree increase in temperature in Texas and the higher uh, property casualty rates that we're play, paying because of Hurricane Harvey, which relates back to climate change, that's reality. That's not projection. So I think, I think those are some answers, but the concern, it, 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 it's not something that I've found conservatives on the hard right to be that willing to talk about uh, and, and really engage and, and deal with. So I think it's in a, it, it is a political issue, I think, Matthew, and I think it's, it's, it's going to just take time. But I've got hope, too. I do think, yeah, I do think there's a lot of divisiveness when it comes to, oh, well, their morals are based in Christianity and on the Bible, and my morals are based in science. Uh -huh. When people don't understand that it can be, your morals can come from more than one place. You know, you can believe, you know, the Bible and Jesus's preachings, and you can also believe in science and that sort of thing. So what is your, your sort of vision, your, your end goal, if you will, um, for your sort of climate advocacy within the religious community, sort of building that understanding and that sort of, um, well, my, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. My well, my my end goal, I think I, I would share with anybody that's that's concerned would would be to see our uh, our pollution, our heat issues, uh, our uh, ocean acidity uh, overcome, because the 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 problems are are there now. Uh, over half the corals in the world are uh, either dead or under duress. Mollusks are having trouble making their shells. Uh, if you're a, a clam farmer in the Pacific Northwest, you're having a hard time growing your crop. Uh, and on land, if you're a farmer in the Midwest, you know, you've got flooding issues that you never had before that just have started in the last couple of years. If you're in Guatemala or El Salvador, Honduras, uh, your, 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 your farmland may have been marginal and now it's not farmable. So the U.S. is having more immigration and, and will continue to have it. Uh, because of climate change issues. So in the Sudan, you know, that, there's, there's big problems there. And sea level rise is going to end, is, is already ha having high tide flooding in Miami and Norfolk and all these places. So my end, my end goal would be to see these things cleaned up, to overcome how we produce our energy today with, with clean energy. And I think that's the biggest issue. It's not the only issue. Uh, how we farm uh, how much meat we eat, you know, all, all those things are contributing factors as well. So within the, within the Christian community, uh, uh, I believe that we can, we can do that. There, there's a whole, whole lot of Christian groups that, that one way or another are involved, and I'm, and I'm encouraged by that. Uh, you know, some key colleges like Wheaton College and Calvin College, uh, their, their science faculty uh, is, is fully on board with the science of uh, global warming. And there are many Christians who are scientists in university settings who are also on board. And on the conservative side, 
you know, what's the most conservative university in Texas? If it's not Texas A&M, you know, tell me one because I'd, I'd like to know, know of it. But the, the science faculty at Texas A&M is on board. So there, there are conservatives. And at Texas Tech and, and University of Houston and Rice and, and UT, uh, and of course, all, all the science schools, as far as I know, MIT and California Institute of Technology and Oxford and uh, Cambridge and University of Chicago, you know, all the, all the schools that we think of. So, so the science is, is there and solidly rooted. So to, to bring that into Christian environments, I think, we, I think we need to lay out the theology of creation care and begin there. We need to have discussions about things that we have in common. Do you, do you care about the future for your 17 and 18 year old children and grandchildren? Well, I, I think that's a good place to start. And so what's it going to be like for them with the trends that we're seeing? You don't have to do fancy projections. Just look at what's happened in the last 30 to 40 years. What if that continues? What will the world that your children and grandchildren have it be like. And I think that that's a, that's a, a very good talking point and a, and a way to start a conversation. I think the pollution issue and how it impacts uh, respiratory illness, how it impacts autism, asthma, cancer, uh, I think the need to clean up our environment uh, is very personal. Uh, I, I doubt that there's anybody that would listen to this that doesn't have somebody that doesn't have a respiratory, respiratory issue, autism in their family, cancer, uh, more increased cases of asthma, birth defects. You know, why, why are these numbers going up? Why is there like an eightfold increase in breast cancer uh, from 40 years ago? You know, what's, what's doing those things? And how do, we, how do we work with that? Why aren't we being stricter and dealing with pesticides and in dealing with mercury, you know, the, the things that we know are either killing bees or hurting unborn babies and children and adults. Mercury is a, a, a real detriment to our health. So how can we, how can we limit that? So uh, I, I think that talking maybe incrementally, talking about things that we share, things that we have in common, and then trying to get to the, to the science and then you sometimes have to overcome some scientific sounding uh, things that are put out there that would go against the conventional understanding of the scientists. So, you know, but if you can get into that playing field and get people to seriously look at the history of the understanding of greenhouse gases, just simple charts that show how greenhouse gases have gone up and how temperature is going up it's not a perfect correlation, but there are a lot of other factors that come in. And so I think theology, again, is, is, is such a good base because we're called to take care of God's creation. Science speaks for itself. And then the things that we can find to converse about. And uh, I've had zero success hammering somebody over the head. It needs to be relational. It needs to be a conversation. It needs to be thoughtful. And uh, you, you, need to, you need to show that you care about people because uh, they're a lot more likely to listen to you uh, if you are on board with them as a person as opposed to somebody that just has an agenda. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Larry. This has been a really great 
talk. I've learned a lot. Um, it's been great to hear about sort of your experiences with climate change and evangelical Christianity, and it's been very enlightening. Yeah, and Larry, I guess you can talk about your Hill Country Institute live if people want to find you. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the Hill Country Institute was, was started about 15 years ago, and uh, we've, we've, we work in Houston uh, some, but mostly Austin, San Antonio, and Fredericksburg. We put on conferences. Uh, we have online resources at hillcountryinstitute.org. And we have a radio program and pod- podcast called Hill Country Institute Live. And we talk about faith and culture issues. Uh, we've had business people. We've had scientists. Uh, we've had pastors talking about caring for the poor. Uh, we've talked about technology. Because we feel strongly that all issues come under the Lordship of Christ. And wherever good ideas are coming from, Christians should be aware and interacting with that. We want good information. We want people to have a good understanding and apply their faith in the areas that are, that are of concern. So creation care is certainly a part of that. And, but, but so is technology. Technology forms our lives in so many ways. So how do we think about that? How do we think about the nine to five work that we do uh, and, and what impact we have there? How do we care for people who are stakeholders in an enterprise? You know, if you're an employee or a supplier or a customer, how do we think about you? Is it just profit? Well, we need profit. Profit's a good thing. In fact, we, we haven't really talked about how much innovation means in taking care of, uh, of uh, climate change. You know, building better windmills, uh, building better batteries, uh, Someday, uh, you know, getting the small nuclear plants in place and maybe someday getting nuclear fusion, which I think is like the, the pot of gold out there at the end of the rainbow. When we get there, uh, it, it, it can be almost an endless source and, and it can be more than a lab project. And that's so much as what it's been. So anyway, I'm, I'm talking about a lot of things, but Hill Country Institute and Hill Country Institute Live is about that. So on your podcast app, Hill Country Institute Live, is, the, is uh, where we have our programs. You can listen to Matthew there, among others. And we're also uh, posted at, all the programs are posted at hillcountryinstitute.org.